Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Her Many Voices Foundation uh, chat, live chat for Giving Tuesday with our founder and vision holder, Alicia Fall. Uh, and she's going to talk to us about how to grow a house, um, although we're going to wander through many topics. So uh, <laughs> welcome, Alicia, to your very own channel's podcast live stream. Thank you, Isola. Thank you. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm going to preface it by saying I am dealing with the flu. So hopefully I'll keep my voice and, you know, all will be good today. All will be good today. <laughs> if we And we might end a little early uh, out of respect for your um, your being. And <laughs> I thank you so much for, for hopping on to share a little bit. Um, so for those of you who are new to Harmony Voices Foundation and the work that we do, um, they, it can be summed up by a slogan that, um, you'll see right below here is whatever I do for another, I do for myself, whatever I do to another, I do to myself. And, uh, Alicia's mom actually taught her that when she was young, I'm going to pinch it a little bit to save her voice for the important things <laughs> because, um, Hey, I, I can a little bit. So, and just to say that, that. You know, this is a, an organization that is uh, about uplifting the indigenous knowledge and wisdom that we have, that we know will solve the problems that exist, that we know will build social connection, uh, mutual respect uh, for each other, for the creatures that we inhabit the earth with, as well as our mother earth. And it's desperately needed. We desperately need this knowledge. We desperately need this wisdom. It's available. And... We need to grasp it and support those who are bringing it forward, which is one of the reasons that I'm here uh, working with the Harmony Voices Foundation and supporting the work that Alicia does because she has a, a pathway for that. And the, the title of this talk is about uh, one of the programs, one of the core programs that we're working to launch and get funding for. And this is Giving Tuesday, so I'm going to say things like, hey, donate. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but more than that, we want you to understand what this, what this project is. And, that, and, and so if my first invitation um, is to, 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 oh, wait, actually, to, um, yeah, to share what, what you can, what you feel inspired to share about the Longhouse Project and the, the tradition of Longhouses and, and how how you have, you know, engaged this to be something that is both specific and also community and uh, community wide. Um, yeah. First of all, when you said, "Oh, we need to do something around how to grow a house," I thought, "Well, this is a great idea," you know, to start talking about these things around hemp and hempcrete, uh, which we will get into, and it's a hemp community, uh, hemp longhouse community project that I'm really focused on getting the funding for to get off the ground. Longhouses, this, this project is a template, right? a pilot and a template. Um, longhouses traditionally for Salagi, the Cherokee people, which my mother's side of the family is, is Cherokee. Um, these are traditional houses that 
multiple families would come, they would live in, they would take care of the, each other, take care of the children, tend to the land together. Um, and it became a cultural center as well, right? So that's traditional. Almost every people has their version of longhouse. And I've talked about it multiple times. You know, we all come from tribal people. And if you look at what your ancestors did, you know, you'll find that you'll have your version of a longhouse and how community came together to take care of each other and Mother Earth. And that's really what this is about. And the focus is with hempcrete for, because this is something that we started, um, I started getting involved in maybe about seven years ago now. Um, as you know, we've been working in Haiti since the 2010 earthquake. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I was really focused on and looking into is there are two things. One is we want to make sure that we can feed people and the other is in housing, right? Mm -hmm. Safe homes, safe food. And hemp can address all of that and so much more. And working with hempcrete, you can build safe, healthy, uh, sustainable homes. And so I thought, well, this is a wonderful moment where we can now that um, the governments are waking up and um, bringing back hemp into cannabis plant in general into the fold, we have an opportunity to take advantage of what our ancestors did for thousands and thousands of years. Mm -hmm. This plant was used for multiple purposes. You could eat, you could feed your people, you could house your people, clothing, medicine. There's so many things that you get to do with this plant. Mm -hmm. And this is a perfect opportunity, creating a hemp longhouse community and cultural center um, where we can do cultural exchanges, mostly within indigenous communities, but not exclusive, um, but cultural exchanges on how to work with this plant. Everything from seed to how do you grow, how do you process to the end product. If I grow this, what am I gonna do with it at the end of it? Mm -hmm. So we'll have an opportunity to work with farmers, we'll have an opportunity to work with paper companies, with um, construction companies, there are a number of a number of directions we get to go to at the end product. Mm. But in between, we have an opportunity to work with predominantly indigenous women to create this community and educate and then be able to create vocation for many people. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I thought was really brilliant about this plan um, is that it? It's more than just one moment, or it, you know, it's it's about actually disrupting these cycles, mm -hmm. and and providing, uh, you know, most people I think that are paying some attention are aware that the anti-cannabis propaganda and violence was primarily directed at brown people, black people, indigenous people, um, and so. And of course, as is often the case, the benefits of the new industry are primarily going to white entrepreneurs. And one of the aspects of this program that you developed in partnership with the Universal Basic Resources cohort that you were part of is a entrepreneurial aspect that would provide 
both skills and then also opportunity for these women, if they were interested in creating their own businesses, to be part of a leading edge. And um, I'm going to, I believe that it's in the next eight years, they expect the hemp uh, industry to grow like $16 billion. Mm -hmm. And so instead of black and brown and indigenous women being on the the back end of the curve, they, this is an opportunity really to put them into a position to genuinely take advantage and, and actually disrupt this cap, this inequity in, in a small way. But I, I feel like the small ways are how we're going to build for the big ones. And that's I just, that's one of the things I love about that, that plan that you have is that, although I've revealed it now, so hopefully they won't come to get you. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, this gets to be, this is a pilot, right? So yeah. we get to do this in multiple areas. And the reality is, is based on the climate, because of the climate changes that we're experiencing too, mm -hmm. we are looking to make that systemic change yeah. um, for, for people of color, for women, for all of us addressing climate issues. Mm -hmm. And this plant gives us a wonderful tool to be able to do that with. Yeah. And, you know, if we go back to, there are a lot of people who've been doing this now for a number of years. We call these agri-hoods or intentional communities now, mm -hmm. where people are coming together and making these systemic changes. And it's in little ways that have these big impacts. Yeah. We don't have to, yeah, we don't have to make something huge in order to have um, a, a substantial, substantial impact on, um, on the environment, personal mm -hmm. as well as what surrounds us. Well, it's, it's more fulfilling to, to live in harmony with one another, with the earth, <sighs> you know, those, and there's so much, there's so much health benefit to it. They're, they're, they're really doing a lot of academic research to support a lot of this indigenous knowledge. And, and I do think that that partnership, it has a lot of benefit. Um, I know we had uh, Bob Escher on talking about uh, hemp and he has a, you know, if you look in the for folks that are listening or, or watching, we had, it's on YouTube and also the Apple podcast. And it was a great conversation. And I asked him because he's he's a little bit um, maybe curmudgeonly in a, in a good way. And I was mm -hmm. just like, all right, you know, tell me about, you know, people talk about hemp like it's a sort of a miracle plant. And I'm I'm a little skeptical anytime I hear that, you know, <laughs> about anything. And he, he almost, um, almost reluctantly, it was kind of adorable. He was like, actually hemp really is everything they say it is. Like, he's like, and you could tell he really had tried to poke holes in that. Mm -hmm. And I, I was like, oh, well, that's, that's interesting. But we, you know, we know that like water is, it's like a building block of life. And yet it doesn't follow many of the normal rules that um, we're used to in physics and the way that we categorize things. And it seems to me like hemp might also be one of those like, building blocks uh, be based on all the things that it can do, like you said, nutritionally and uh, as well as clothing wise, as well as creating structures and the fact that it turns around so quickly with low water usage um, and sequesters um, all of those harmful minerals that are in the soils or uh, chemicals, like it can clean up the soil. Um, and interestingly, I don't know when I was researching that because I was really like, nah, it's not that great. Uh, <laughs> I found a white paper and the, the original white paper that proved that hemp sequesters all those chemicals was actually an attempt to determine what plant was safest to plant 
in damaged soil. They were like, mm-hmm. what takes up the most cotton uh, hemp? And there was another one they planted to see what ones could be put in and not accidentally like take in chemicals. And because and in that study, they found that hemp did take it all in, actually. <laughs> all most and they were like wait a minute so it's kind of interesting they weren't trying to prove anything about hemp being good or bad they had this whole other agenda and happened to discover that which i found reassuring i'll be honest (laughs) i was like oh there wasn't an agenda here yeah um first of all i i adore bob escher bob is a wonderful he's a brilliant architect and um he he was the the founding father of the um uh the president what's the phrase of it the president of the U.S. Hemp Building Association. Mm-hmm. He was the founding president, not the founder. Um, <clears throat> and yes, he he's done his own work on you know. Let me poke some holes on it because <laughs> because you know how can this one plant do? But the reality is is that we use this plant for multiple reasons, multiple purposes for thousands of years, and because of racial motivation and political motivation for control of others. It was removed in 1937. And when we take anything, one thing out of our biodiversity, it throws everything out of kilter. Yeah. We cannot. We are so interconnected, and yet we refuse to believe that. We want to feel like we're above it all, and we know better than Mother Nature. And we don't. Mm-hmm. We don't. She will correct us every time. And mm-hmm. so, you know as many times as people would like to poke holes in this and make it the devil's seed and all of these things, the reality is, is that this plant is extremely beneficial for us and it's essential. And the reality, when you talk about the industrial hemp end of things, and we talk about CBD and we get into cannabinoids and that sort of thing, Mm -hmm. cannabinoids, we have these receptors that we get in mother's breast milk. Mm -hmm. It is a part of our chemistry. Yeah. We connect to that. So just think about that. I mean, think about the, the, the fact that we, we made a plant illegal to begin with is just ridiculously mind boggling. Yeah, it's a little foolish. I mean, a lot foolish, actually, is what I mean to say. And at the same time, it it's doesn't seem to be a lesson that we're going to learn. And it, it I think it comes back to what you were saying, that there's a lot of we know better. And and I'm, you know, I'm an, I'm a wonk. I love to read all sorts of our articles and papers and data and everything. And it, there's something for sure that's comforting in thinking I know. And, <laughs> and I'm also, you know, I had kids. So really, no, I don't know anything. <laughs> I feel like the, the, the act of parenting is a constant like opportunity to really engage with your Zen. Like, like I have no control over anything. Absolutely. And- <laughs> yeah. That age will tell you the older you get, the less, you know. Yeah, no, it's really true. I, 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 I don't love that, but you know, I also don't love, you know, the thing my hips but you know we can just ignore all of those things they can be fantasy but uh, <laughs> but one of the things that uh, I've always found interesting in working within the community with you is that oftentimes when people introduce themselves they'll identify their family lineage um, and it speaks to me of and it's another like you also when you talk about the work that you do with her many voices you talk about future ancestors and that that feeling of 
of constantly remembering and honoring that you are a part of um, the the world in which you inhabit, like the natural world, as well as the world of time, that, that where you come from and who's coming after you is also a part of your consciousness. Um, I think that's so powerful of an example, uh, especially in our what I in our modern society we have in in in, what, in the Western world, and especially in America, we have an epidemic of loneliness. Uh, people, it's there's a rise in suicidal tendencies among children. There's one of the higher age groups to be increasing. Not to be a downer, guys, just to to lay the foundation for the facts, which is that people are hurting. Like people are actively defending a system that is genuinely hurting most of us. Right. And obviously like people in poverty and, you know, people who are less favored, <laughs> uh, indigenous people, women, LGBTQ people uh, have felt the effects of this breakdown earlier and, and harder. And yet everybody is suffering because this doesn't work. We have to find ways to be engaged in our, in our communities and feel that sense of connection and it's one of the things that I've always loved about your work and the example that you set and this idea of the longhouses and that once again, bringing forward this idea of something that can bring people together to, to exchange ideas, to, to share, to gather, to break bread or, or hempcrete. Uh, <laughs> um, so, and I, I just, I feel like I learned so much by, by being able to participate and see how that because we, I don't feel like as people educated in the mainstream community thing, we're always yearning for that. This is just not part of how modern mainstream American culture works. It's it's uh, it's the opposite in my personal experience is that it's almost, it's it's focused on division. It's and, I'm independent, I don't need, I get to conquer on my own. Yeah, it's all of those things. Um, and we so need to embrace the other side of that mm -hmm. because we do need to connect. We are connected. Mm -hmm. We need to recognize that. We need to work together. We need to collaborate. You know, there's that African proverb of, you know, uh, you rise together, if you work together, you rise together, right? Mm -hmm. We um, rise together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And those things are key. They're, they're fundamental. You know, I feel like a broken record and I'm not saying anything new to anybody at any point, but these are things that I feel like we need a constant reminder of mm -hmm. because we spend so much time, especially in this culture. And in particularly, I, you know, I recognize this in many, many countries, but I know being in this country, in the States, it is all about that independence. It is all about the, I am better than. I am greater than I am, you know, and we are nothing without each other. Mm -hmm. We are nothing without nature. Yeah. You know, we are a part, we are a drop. We are a, a cell in a tiny cell in, in this wonderful system, in this wonderful body. And um, it's a sacred body. So we need to treat it as such. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What what do you so um, in terms of the. I feel like I'm trying to ask a leading question here, um, 
<laughs> in in terms of like that sacredness and the ways that I see it show up in the in the work that you do with people and Mother Earth, that the ways that you you seem to always have that presence, or I mean, as you know, you're human. You probably get cranky occasionally, but uh, <laughs> but that presence of awareness. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> and um, that awareness of that sacredness, and that is it something that you always had, or we, do you feel like? Because I know that you also sought out opportunities to be in nature because you grew up in the city. Um. Where, how do you think that came into your awareness and the way that you live? Um, good question. And I'm not quite sure how to answer it because I don't remember a time where I did not feel that, mm -hmm. you know, and I, and I really honestly feel like I have my mother to thank for that. Yeah. Um, she always made sure I was connected and, um, and reminding me of how many different ways we are connected, mm -hmm. you know, so the, the, the core value of whatever I do for another, I do for myself. This is, um, it's a part of what I grew up with. And um, yeah, so I don't remember a time where it wasn't a connection. There have been plenty of times in my life where I feel like I don't want to be connected to you. And, <laughs> I can relate. You know, um, <laughs> yes. Um, but you know, as much as I might feel that, I also have to recognize there's that that shadow side, that dark side within me as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So it's something that's always been there. And yeah. um, and it didn't. Yeah, I grew up in New York City, you know, so um, there's not a whole lot. Well, you get little pockets in mm -hmm. the city of of the green and, yeah. and feeling that that nature connection. But I did go to an agricultural high school and then an ag university which was upstate New York. Um, and then I worked with horses. You know, I worked at a riding stable in, in New York. And, um, and these were the moments that, that really helped me mm -hmm. to make that thread of where I am today. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't feel like, I feel I've gone multiple times around the universe in life experience. And yet I don't, really feel like I've gone very far. I feel like I've come back almost full circle in, in many ways um, mm -hmm. from what I was experiencing as a child. Um, and when I you were I go back okay. to Yeah. I'm sorry. You said you you want to go back to that feeling as of, of being a child or um I, yeah I guess there's an element of going back to that feeling of a child, but um certainly experiencing, you know, um going through the path of going to schools, uh, getting an education in um, animal care and husbandry and, and, and growing, putting your hands in the soil and that kind of thing. Um, and then going through, here's my life at this point, and I feel like I'm going back to that place and saying for myself and others, the healthiest thing we can do is to create our communities and go back to the soil listen to what the plants have to say. They're a tremendous amount of medicine and take care of each other. It is a very simple thing to do. It really is. And yet um, we seem to be, humans seem to be extremely challenged in this one. Um, and and I, I, I don't know, there's a part of me, there are some days where I, I question humanity. How, how long 
do we get to exist? Mm -hmm. I feel like mother can shake us like fleas at any moment. And maybe she should at some point, you know, if we really don't get it together, if we continue on this path of destruction mm -hmm. and separation, then I do not believe, I think we are, we are more damaging um, to all that there is. Mm -hmm. um, so we do, we, we, our time is short and we got to get our act together and mm -hmm. it's um, systemic change across the board is really what's needed. Mm -hmm. And for me, this is a step in that direction in creating um, this hemp longhouse community. So um, when I wanted to acknowledge uh, Jonathan uh, earlier, he said this and I missed it, but I appreciate it. He said, I feel like I know less going into my doctorate than I did going into high school. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, I feel like I was so confident in my twenties in a way that like I, I struggle I struggle to live there, as so I feel that. Thank, <laughs> thank you for sharing. Uh, right there with you, Jonathan. Yes, that's what I was saying. You know, the older I get, you know, at this point in my life, my God, there's so much less that I know today. You know, and and you listen to young people, and oftentimes, and I went through this myself, where you feel like, oh, I know that. Mm -hmm. How much do I not know? Mm-hmm. Well, and you speak about that, and it's, it's side note, but I feel like one of the things that we could benefit more from is interaction across generations that people, you know, I find I'm very blessed that I have people from a variety of walks of life and ideologies and, and ages in my, in my world. And, and I feel like that is a constant uh, influx of reminders of things that I forgot <laughs> as well as like uh, information about new things to, to learn and grow from. And, it's, it's interesting because there seem to be some like arbitrary divides. And once again, it speaks to what you were talking about, having a place where people can go hang out and be across differences and not have the, not have those unnatural separations mm -hmm. um, and like, you know, more integrated communities. So let's say I'm hanging out, listening to this and I'm like, I want a longhouse in my community. <laughs> now, I know we've got our pilot programs that we're working to build, but if, if somebody, you know, wanted to do this, in their community, um, what what would they have to do? Like, do they write you an email? They can write. They can <laughs> give us a call. They can write. Um, we've got the wonderful thing I find within the industrial the industry. Oh, of course, now we have people who are going to be banging their drums upstairs. Um, oh, good. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there you go. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, I'm going to pop the yeah. website up for people while you talk about it. Thank you. Um, yeah, so contact us. We've got a lot of connections, not only in, this, in the States, but our connections reach out uh, internationally. There are many, many people who have been working in the hemp industry, the cannabis industry for a whole lot of years, and um, experts in their fields. Um, so, yes, reach out to us. But if you have the ability, if you have some land, you have and you have the ability to grow, you know, we can connect you to the people who have the right seed to literally grow that hemp that you can then make your own house with. 
that industrial hemp, because there are many different varieties, obviously, of this plant. So you have to know before you grow what it is that you are growing for and the best seed for that for that particular region. Because obviously, if you're growing in um, Florida, it's going to be very different than if you're growing in Iceland, right? Um, but we do have many, many talented people that we work with that we can connect you to. So how to grow a house isn't just a catchy title. It's actually something someone could do. (laughs) Yes. That's great. You actually do. And, um, you know, and there are people, I know that there are people who've been, they, they did a small grow, roughly about an acre's worth of grow. And with that acre, they were able to build a small structure, a studio apartment kind of thing. With if we have a housing shortage in this country, a studio apartment would be a luxury <laughs> to many humans. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, so, and when I started thinking about this originally, what got me on this path in, in the hemp industry is because in Haiti, you know, we have multitudes of people who live in nothing more than shacks, right? Their homes are cardboard. There are um, banana leaves and that sort of thing. And maybe some mud. So the idea of being able to have people grow their own home, mm-hmm. you, know, you take this little seed within less than 120 days, you're going to have it fully grown and you can do that and you process it and you mix, you mix the, the hemp, the herd, the portion of the, of the, um, of the hemp plant that you're using, you mix that with limestone and water. That's it. And then you can do anything from making panels to um, making bricks to spraying, doing a spray technique. It really is amazing what you get to do with this one plant. Mm-hmm. Like I said, when you when you when we first started talking about it, I was like, no, that can't. <laughs> and I mean, I'm not saying I didn't believe you, but I was I just was like, that doesn't seem real because the, the honestly, the things that people are talk about with hemp and hempcrete in terms of like the natural um, insulation factor that it has, the natural resistance to, to mold the uh, the ways that like, if you built a small hemp structure in your, in your farm, you could actually use it to keep some of the vegetables and things that you need to keep cool. Like it's not a full refrigerator, but it can actually keep things cool without uh, extra um, energy. So there's so many, and I'm just like, oh, that can't be true. That I look up, yep, it is. Like, wow, like, yeah. This and you don't, and you're then not you're worried like, about mold. You're not worried about yeah. you know, all of those kind of things. Fire resistant, right? Fire resistant. That's right. Won't screw it. It's going to singe in that one spot. It's not going down. You know, these are the earthquake resistant. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something else that we have to be aware of when when working in Haiti. Um, right. Yeah. That makes sense. When I remember the fir- one of the first projects we worked on with the wind farm was uh, talking to them about how to work to build toilets with the um, with hempcrete because sanitation is so important to community health mm-hmm. and it once again getting materials and getting those kinds of things down to different countries when they're having import issues and other things versus getting seeds that they can plant. That felt like such a win when you were able to negotiate to get some of those seeds into the country 
for uh, the farm that we work with. Um, and I know there's always other challenges, but, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, like that, that whole process was so empowering to see that, you know, that instead of trying to get large bulky supplies, you can mm -hmm. get a small amount. And then with some instruction that people are then empowered to create the things that they need. Um, mm -hmm. So it was, uh, yeah, I, but it's just been, it's hard to, to wrap my head around the fact that it, it's, it's objectively such an amazingly powerful plant that can address a lot of our climate issues. You know, if we were to make more hemp paper as opposed to regular paper, mm -hmm. it would, you know, that's something Maren Craig's talked about, like the, the refugee crisis is related primarily to climate change. And one of the biggest impacts for climate change is paper products. If we just switched to the as much paper from hemp as possible, we could see real impact globally mm -hmm. and genuinely helping people's lives be better. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't seem like a radical thing. Like hemp paper is fine. It's not, it, it, I've used it. It's, you know, just the same as other paper has a slightly different feel. Like why is that a radical suggestion? Right. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And that is the big question. Why is any of this radical? Mm -hmm. Well, why do you have that answer for us today? This right this minute? <laughs> can you can well, you explain the, the structures that we're dealing with completely and why they exist? Do you well, find for you that? Know, I mean, the only reason why we look at this as radical today is because we took something that everyone had access to and we we were told it was bad, it's illegal, it's, it's just immoral, it's all of those things. It's dangerous. And we drank the Kool-Aid. Mm -hmm. The people drank the Kool-Aid that believed the lies that they were told. Mm -hmm. And then implemented all sorts of changes in order to get us to this point. Yeah. And so now we think of this as, uh, you know, this is something big, it's new, it's radical, it's, and it's none of those things. It's a plant. It's a plant. <laughs> it's a plant. We made mm -hmm. a plant illegal. Think about yeah. that. Think of the insanity behind that. Yeah. And right? the disconnection, right? Like, how do you, exactly. how do you do that if you're connected to the bio diversity that we we need to thrive in mm -hmm. so yeah. uh so yeah so if you want to be part of the hemp revolution am i allowed to say that yeah <laughs> is that the right word <laughs> uh just definitely you know reach out get connected with alicia uh like she said she's not necessarily i mean she'll obviously help you but she knows lots of folks that could give you more accurate information for where you are if you or someone you know wants to grow their own house and I have to say, um, in in the many places that I worked with a variety of people on this planet, the folks that I have met in the industrial hemp industry, they are they're like family. Mm. Uh, you know, I've met so many so many folks who are just yes, we want to help. You know, how can we help? How can we be a part? And within you know, we talk about supporting women. We talk about supporting BIPOC women. Mm -hmm. um, I've had more support from white males 
than anybody else in this industry. Mm-hmm. And they're very gracious. They're gracious. I, I know this because one of them reached out to Alicia and I, I was uh, provide, I was one who re- and I thought it was one of those salesy people. And I was oh, not friendly. <laughs> I wasn't unfriendly, oh, but I was definitely yeah. like, what do you want? What do you want to do? And he was so gracious and patient. Uh-huh. He's like, no, no, no. We really just want to connect and support the process. I'm like, oh, he really does mean that. He's like the sweetest human. <laughs> It's just, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, I, I agree. It's a, it's a really, um, it's a, I wouldn't say idealistic community because they, there's definitely a lot of practicality and it's, de- you know, a lot of work. I haven't met anyone in the community who doesn't actually get down to it and work. And I think that's one of the things that I've seen with the work that you do is that if people aren't going to work, they don't last very long. Um <laughs> Partially because we got to keep up with you. <laughs> um, so before you were uh, a hemp activist and uh, nonprofit founder and vision holder, you were a professional musician. <laughs> yes, I and was. You have a song. Uh, hope is all we've got. Hope is what we got. Oh, hope is what we've got. Mm-hmm. And uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Because I feel like that's so core to the the work that you do, unless that feels like an ambush that we could try something else. <laughs> um, not quite an ambush, yeah. Um, you know, it's one of those things. I mean, in the beginning of it, um, when she came into this world, hope was what she got, and she carried it with her. You know, when less was more of what she got, and I think that's a. It's something that we need to hold on to today. You know, I know that there are plenty of people who say, well, we need so much more than hope. And yes, we do. But in this world that is so wounded, if we do not look at what there is to be hopeful for, then we've kind of missed the boat on this whole thing. Yeah. So, yes. Did you um, did you cue that that song up? Is that something that's going to be playing at some point, or are we? No, I would not. I would have warned you about that. I, like, <laughs> I, I and, but I just it was something that um, actually recently came to mind because that I put put out the information about this event. Uh, a friend of mine reached out, and then we ended up chatting, and she's like, "Yeah, Alicia was she played at my wedding," and I'm like, "No." <laughs> And uh, it's just kind of a neat, um, a neat awareness of the interconnectedness of all these different experiences uh, that we have in the world and the ways in which you, whether it was through music or through the, the other kinds of body work and healing that you did, or this, you've always been engaging in that integration, sustainability, connection process to, to kind of bring people together and to to create something larger than, than just your thing. Um, so I don't know, I thought that was real sweet. Um, so 2023, we want to build this longhouse. We want to build this longhouse. Yes, we need to. And I would like for it to be here in the States. Um, our primary focus right now, as far as land is concerned, is um, in the upstate, the Hudson area. Mm-hmm. We do have some connections there. Um, and we would have the ability to, there's, there's land available, you know, ideally if we had a hundred acres of land, we would be able to do more than what we need to do 
and um, and expand and be able to build literally a community out of hemp within that land. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would also like to have <clears throat> something in the Denver area on a smaller basis, more of an educational. Um, as you know, we've been spending time. You went with me this last go round to Amsterdam, and um, and that is moving forward as well. And we've got people who are very interested in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we would have the ability, being on that side of the pond, that have access to, like the Sami people, you know, the mm-hmm. indigenous peoples of um, not the Netherlands, but the region of being in Finland and and uh, in Norway and, and Russia and that area, those are the Sami people. So we could have that cultural exchange as well there mm-hmm. with folks that are on this side of the pond. So. Um, and I'm going to bring a New Yorker. I would mm-hmm. love to see the first one being in New York state. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not, it sounds like, you know, the, the things are moving forward. And it's it's one of those things I've seen with large projects is there's so much prep and everything. And then you finally get things going, you got to just ride the train. Uh, <laughs> um, one of the things that we talk about a lot, there's actually two statistics that I want to share real quick. One, uh, we've said it before, but we'll say it again. 0.2% of all philanthropic dollars go to native serving organizations and uh, that doesn't mean native led or indigenous led. Right. It just right. means native serving. And, uh, and so one of the reasons that, you know, we we obviously participate in giving Tuesday and we'll do Colorado gives next week is to bring awareness to the work that we're doing, the work that we want to do. And the fact that, you know, when you read about all of these philanthropic dollars out there, they are not coming to organizations like Harmony Voices. Um, yes. It's just the, you know, 98 point, 99.8% of it goes other where. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. And that's just the facts that we're dealing with. Uh, and then it, the 80% of the, the land that is stewarded to provide us with breathable air and clean water is stewarded by indigenous peoples who make up 5% of the population. And um, and so whether it's Alicia and her many voices, definitely work to support your indigenous people and communities and, and organizations because they are the reason that we have clean air and water and will likely be the reason that we have it uh, in the future. So <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's really whatever I do for another, I do for myself for real, <laughs> like extra. So, yes. yeah, we can't forget that, you know, and indigenous, you know, there are African peoples who are doing work to take care of clean water. You mm-hmm. know, there are peoples in the Middle East, the tribal peoples who are um, looking to gain some water from from their region that is, is you know, it's it's pretty drought area, mm-hmm. drought area. Um, there are places all over this planet, indigenous peoples all over this planet that have been doing the things that need to be done to keep the balance. Mm-hmm. We are very much out of balance today. Yeah. So we need to return to that. I know um, 
one of the things that you do a lot is you speak and consult with organizations and at events to bring forward this information and this perspective. Um, is there, um, is there anything notable from this last year? You did so many different presentations that you want to like bring forward in this moment for folks or any messaging that you feel would be helpful for folks to, to carry forward around. And I want to make it vague enough that you could be inspired. Uh <laughs> <laughs> hmm. um, wow. There have been so many places this last year, so many speaking engagements and so many people that I've met along the way. Yeah. Um, anytime the conversation has been brought back to the connection to not only each other, but to the connection of all of our environment, to the plants, to the rivers, to the trees, all of that. Anytime that conversation has come up, that to me has been the most inspiring. That speaks to me the most. You know, to take that time to sit, you sit in nature. And, and I don't care if you're in the middle of a forest or if you're in the middle of Manhattan, you can find a place of nature and commune with it. And I've had more than one conversation this last year with people on that topic. To me, that's the most inspiring, recognizing how connected we are mm -hmm. in this whole thread of life. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that that's one of the antidotes uh, to the, the loneliness is that awareness of connection, the opportunity to be connected. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, put, I'm, I'm putting a little question in here. Does anyone have any questions or things they want to share? Uh, we're going to go for a few more minutes. Obviously, uh, I'll do that. Please, you know, if you feel so inspired, please do donate or share the donation link out um, because we very much want to reach these goals. We want to build these long houses. We want to get this message out there. We want people to understand they aren't alone. You really aren't alone. There are other people working, maybe not with you, but in parallel to build something that actually works for everybody to address mm -hmm. hunger and poverty and a lack of shelter. And there are people who do care. We are, we are all in this together. And some people are aware of that and some people aren't. But there are a lot of people who are truly doing this work. So, you know, if you can donate to us, we understand. But we hope that you will. And we hope that you will also get involved in your community and, and be part of the, the solutions and the connection. There are lots of people who are doing their community gardens, you know, mm -hmm. um, spend some time there. Um, I mean, we have friends here in, in, in uh, Denver. Um, we have the greenhouse connection with Harmony. Is, is she some amazing work with her community in the Denver area? She's in a, it's a double dose on the EPA site. Um, you know, so there's a lot of toxin in that community, and she's doing her best to work with people in the community. Mm -hmm. There are so many different ways that we get to do that. You know, you, it, I don't care if you're in um, if you're in a tiny apartment or you've got a thousand acres behind you. There are different ways that you get to 
to tend to mother and to all of us in a healthier way. Do it, take that action. You don't need anything big. You know, we've done, um, you know, we've done over time, um, we've worked with Shannon Francis and um, mm -hmm. he's done indigenous permacultural uh, trainings for us. And we're getting ready to, to cycle back into that again. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we are doing these trainings from an apartment, you know, we have access to land, but we're doing these from, from an apartment because we are in the Denver region and there are folks who they have some apartments. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? You can grow your own food within your small apartment. You can, you can have that kind of impact. And science will, science validates. You put your hands in soil, it, there's a chemical reaction. Mm -hmm. They've Our shown that. On to that. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, and that was, so uh, we, some of the programs that we'll be doing in 2023 are the, the ongoing ones when, and that, that's one we did with Shannon Francis, the community garden project, where we give uh, seed kits and instructions on how to grow native plants in your home for your, your own food and your family. Um, and then we'll be obviously doing Earth Day in it's a mouthful, indigenous wisdom to face modern challenges. I, I want it to be less of a mouthful, but I don't know how to get there. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we will we'll be doing the first. So we thought of, we conceived of this in uh, 2019. And then obviously 2020 doing a public gathering was not going to happen. Um, and so we, we did it online. And in some ways that was a gift because we were able to do such a a global event. We had people from five continents, 11 countries, spending 13 hours sharing wisdom, art, expression, traditional practices, spiritual wisdom. And we'll be doing that again. And we'll keep the online component because it was so powerful. We did it last year, also only online. But this year, we're going to take a brave step into a physical experience. Uh, we, <laughs> we haven't determined where for sure. Um, but we're really excited to, to be doing that again. Obviously, we want to do the Longhouse Project, um, and I'm sure you'll be speaking everywhere as you do. Uh, <laughs> uh, what Are there other things that you're excited about for 2023? Hmm. Well, I'm really excited about our Earth Day this year. Yeah. Our Earth Day event this year. And yes, you know, even more so excited because we are going to have these pockets of we, we get to do this in-person on the ground with others in the same area, um, as opposed to everybody just you know being online. And this is this is a wonderful to tool, right? Mm -hmm. Having yeah. this available to us is a wonderful tool. But there is nothing like being in the same room, breathing the same air, the same presence of others. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited about doing that this year. I'm sorry, guys. I'm uh, you know, the sun is starting to hit in a big way. I'm trying mm -hmm. to find little location where I'm not so shiny. Um, <laughs> it's your inner light. <laughs> um, so yes, Earth Day, looking forward to that a great deal. Um, it's a lot of people shift. Mm -hmm. So I'm hesitant to say I'm looking forward to what's going on this coming year. Mm -hmm. um, it does not come without challenges, that's for sure. 
but I am seeing some positive things that will help to bring us all together. Mm -hmm. um, let me see if I move a little bit. Okay, here we go. So there is some, there's positive to that. And mm -hmm. I think that will help our organization as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and I am, I'm holding a space and I'm holding light literally for, as you spoke earlier, you know, out of 100% of the monies that come into the philanthropic world, we get such a minute amount with for people of color, right? So 0.5% period for people of color. Mm -hmm. And so I'm getting more and more people who are contacting me and saying, well, how can we help? And, you know, we go back to, listen, we have the responsibility, as you said, 80% of care of this planet is done by the 5% on the planet of the indigenous peoples. And yet we seem to be doing this without the resources of the land or the finances that mm -hmm. others have access to. So if you really want to help, give that way. Donate the land. Don't say, well, come use my land and then dictate to others how it's used. Give the land back to the people. Give a portion of your financial resources. If those of you who have, give that, because you're going to be reaping the benefits of that. Your children and your grandchildren and theirs and so on will thank you for having done that, because you're giving to the people who are really the light keepers. They're the ones you've got to look to towards the future. This is not going to change based on the trajectory that we put ourselves on. And it won't change if people continue to hoard land and monies. Those things are needed. So I'm hopeful that this year people will recognize that and give, unconditionally give. That's the key part of this. We have had a couple of offers, but it's with those little strings attached. I'm not interested in the strings. Yeah. None of us need those. Yeah, uh, a comment here. Someone says, "But people have bad habits, and uh -huh. it's true. We have to, we have to." Re Thank you, MZ, for saying hello. Um, we ha we have to let go of that fear that we're not going to have enough. That yes. if we if we share, that we lose out. Like, um, and that you know, this idea to go back to where we started. We talked about that the the pain of individualism. In that idea that like I have to figure it all out myself. Uh, someone was talking about how um, you know so much of this is really rooted in racism and the ways in which when segregation ended, well, white people across the country destroyed public parks, public pools, like a lot of this like de um, distance that we're dealing with is the result of temper tantrums thrown by white supremacists at the end of segregation. And, and the destruction of these public spaces and public transport 
because they didn't want to share it with <laughs> with mm-hmm. uh, people of color. And it's gross and it's harmful. And we honestly, as a country, just need to grow up and move forward and recognize that we no one can do it by themselves. This idea that people do it by themselves, it's usually because they have, you know, a lot of people they're paying or a lot of people who are invested in their success that do a lot of emotional labor and free labor. And so this idea of the rugged individual who's bootstrapping himself or their self is complete fiction. And it damages us instead of us working together as communities and and sharing the tasks, which is how people function for a very long time. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have one person cooking a meal for 10 or 20, that saves the 19 other people that time <laughs> to mm-hmm. be able to go do another task, whether it's a, an art expression or harvesting or caring for children. And as communities, people then had more time. They could they could do the things that they were more skilled at and share the responsibilities and there's this this almost bizarre fear of that like, i don't get it i would totally be happy to share my chores with people i don't know. <laughs> i'm like sure i'll do more of this when you do more sure that's fine. i mean overall the math works out like why not <laughs> yes it's definitely win-win yeah right that's the win-win so i mean it's a um, we do. We have a lot of we have a lot of cleaning up here in this country specifically. Um, oh my God, Jonathan, thank you, Jonathan. Da Vinci wouldn't have done Jack if he had to wash his own underwear. <laughs> I feel I feel the inspiration of, of that. Thank you, Jonathan. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. Yeah, because <laughs> right, yeah. like you know, I, it's just it, it. We need that. I don't know what it is. Is it a fear of loss of control or something? I mean, it's a whole other topic that we can get into another day, but um, I'm for it. And I, I really hope that folks who are here will pass this on and, you know, donate to Harmony Voices and sh- see if there's a place in your community that you want to grow a house, give us a call and we'll, we'll set you up. Uh, and when I say us, I mean, Alicia will. <laughs> That's who's going to do that. Uh- <laughs> I'll be there. I'll cheer you on. <laughs> you don't want me to set you up. Like I am not, I did not go to agriculture high school. I can grow herbs in Washington state where you throw seeds at the ground and things sprout. That's how I was really good at that. <laughs> That's not a bad thing to do either. Right. So, no, it was great. It's a wonderful thing. I mean, to be able to be in your community, you walk down the street and you have trees that are bearing fruit. Mm-hmm. You have vegetables and they have, these are access, they're, they're accessible to everyone. Mm-hmm. That's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. Not, oh, you're in violation of the HOA. You got to get rid of your front garden. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's hostile. That really is truly hostile. And mm-hmm. it's counter to everything that we need in this world. Yeah. So. No, it's true. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll say it like I grew up in the suburbs and I, I remember I was 23 years old the first time I grew something. Now, my grandparents always had a garden, so it wasn't that I didn't experience fresh fruits and vegetables. And that was a beautiful, like the, the, there's nothing more luxurious than being a small child, you know, pulling raspberries off the bush and you're, you know, it's just like, it's a, it's, mm-hmm. it's luxurious in a way that is difficult to describe if you haven't experienced it. But I just remember, I was like, I've never grown anything myself. 
And so I, I got this little packet and I had honestly like a foot by foot square of dirt. Like that's all I had because <laughs> I didn't really. And I just like, you know, I dug it out and I, I, you know, nurtured this little tomato plant, probably the way some people nurture like a baby. Like I was just, and, but it felt indescribably awesome mm -hmm. to watch a seed turn into a plant and I love tomatoes too. So I picked it and I'm eating. I'm like, I was a part of growing this. Like I can't, there's no words. And, and, and if you haven't had that experience, honestly, even just, I strongly encourage you to, to try and, you know, once again, talk, there's lots of online resources and, or reach out to Alicia. She'll, she'll absolutely connect you with someone. And, but it's, it's an amazingly awesome in the original sense of the word experience to, to be part of that cycle of growth and to connect to the earth. Like you said, there's, there's so many physical, like neurological benefits that they've proven. Um, so, and Jonathan also says it was tomatoes for, for him as a kid, same that, that luxury of those fresh vegetables. It's almost like you can taste the sunlight. You can take, you can definitely taste the difference in it. I, um, as a matter of fact, I had, I, I ordered a, a meal this weekend. Um, with tomatoes on it, which I never do, but I did it because I knew that these were homegrown tomatoes. Because if you get the tomatoes that, that are off the shelf or the average restaurant, they don't have, they're, they're not like it was when I was a child, that's for sure. They lack in their taste and the flavor and, and the nutritional value because of how we are growing today. Mm -hmm. um, last year, um, for a couple of years, I grew corn and string beans and tomatoes and all sorts of peppers. I love spicy foods. And I had a bunch of peppers out on my balcony. Hmm. And I had more than enough. Hmm. You know, so it was great to be able to enjoy the bounty of that mm -hmm. um, and, and share it with others. Yeah. No, and it's it's some there's something very sweet and special in that. Like I I feel um, lucky that I know so many growers, and you know my friends are always like, oh, I have too many bean starts, or you know, do you want some? And I'm like, sure, I'm happy to try and kill something else. Like that's no problem. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh yeah, I got that. Sure. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, it's just sweet. Sometimes they actually grow, and then I get to have this thing. It's amazing. <laughs> but, but uh, you thank you so much. I know that I, I would love to keep you. And I know that you, um, yeah, I, I appreciate you being here to share and doing the work that you do. And I'll say, put one more pitch out, like, folks, if you can share this information, uh, share what we're up to with Her Many Voices, um, share the donate and donate if you can. Um, and if you can't, you know, just shoot us a line and tell us that, you know, what you're up to in your community, show up for people because it, it's not just money that's going to make the difference. Um, we need that to, to move the Longhouse Project forward. But we also recognize there are so many kinds of resources. And we believe that if everybody does their part, we will create the change that we need. Well said, Ayesla. Yeah. I am so thankful for you because I, you know, especially in moments like this, I, mean, I could just sit back and you can speak the truth. <laughs> you do it well. Thanks. Well. 
I'm so I am so honored to be here and to be supporting this work because I feel like it's so hard to watch the things that are happening and to feel that sense of doom. And then it can and I'd be like, all right, but I'm part of this other thing that's working for that hope. <laughs> and that, yes. that's you know, that's all we can do is is commit ourselves to the the things that we believe in and give it our all and you know do what you can where you can, where you yeah. are. It's a great way to put it. Your own community, wherever you are, do what you can. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for being here. Uh, have a great day, folks. We'll, we're going to do another one of these uh, Colorado Gives Day. Um, and it might mix it up and actually be on longer. I don't know. Mostly, um, we just want to give people a chance to hear what we're up to, to connect with us, and to, to know why, why we're trying to raise money and what we're going to do with it. And um, honestly, it's just kind of fun to see y'all say hi. <laughs> so... We'll see, but uh, take care. Have a great week and uh, uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you. Thank you guys for joining us today. Bye-bye.